Hey Trinity family, this is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor, and as promised, I am giving you part two, which will just be a short reflection, but part two of the parable of the prodigal son. So on Sunday here on the west side, we looked at um, part one, which is the bulk of the story in the parable of the prodigal son, where um, a younger brother of two takes his dad's money and squanders it in reckless living, and that reflection point was um, really powerful for us as a church. It, um, I think this story probably is the truest story ever told, um, which is kind of a funny way to put it since it's a parable of Jesus. And yet it describes, I think, in some very vivid detail, uh, the condition of humanity in our fallen state. And it also describes the heart of God toward us, the instinct of God, the God who runs toward his failed and fallen children. But we're going to see that same theme play out uh, today in this reflection. So if you haven't already listened to uh, part one, it'll be uh, posted just on our normal uh, podcast thread for the Sunday sermon. But this one is a, a kind of, I guess, a little bonus special uh, where we're going to read the last part of the story and then pray. And then I'm just going to share a few things with us uh, to get us thinking about the older brother. So the younger brother. Uh, we know his story. The story tends to focus on him, and yet this this older brother, I think, is uh, worth stopping for us to consider because we'll probably find places um, of identification here. I actually think Jesus uh, was wanting us, inviting us, the Holy Spirit wanting us uh, to identify the parts of our lives uh, where we would identify with the older boy and the younger boy. Uh, because this sort of is like the two sides of the same coin regarding humanity. And I can certainly find myself in both figures. So I'm going to read, then we're going to pray. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked him what was going on. And the slave replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. And his father came out. And began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I do pray that you would help us, Lord, as we sat and considered the younger brother, the younger son, Lord, uh, and the grace that you extended to him despite the fact that he had wasted so much and suffered so much because of that waste. Now we pray that you would help us to sit with the older son. God, help us to, to see him um, in this story that Jesus tells. And I pray, God, that as we see him here in the text, that you would uh, empower us by, by the Holy Spirit's help um, to see ourselves in him. God, where there's something there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this story, uh, this portion of the story, rather, that Jesus tells, it picks up with the party going on inside, and the father is inside with the younger son and presumably members of the household and maybe even the community. The father is lavishing love and celebration uh, because his son's back. Um, the son who had failed him is now reconciled to him. 
And this story, or the portion of the story rather, picks up with the older son coming in from the fields and asking one of his slaves, saying, what what in the world is going on in there? He hears music and dancing and a celebration, and he, he says to the slave, what, what's happening? And the slave tells him, he says, well, that brother of yours that we thought we'd lost forever is back, and dad is really, really, really excited. And the first hint that we have that something is amiss is we're told that the older son is angry. He, um, according to Jesus, refuses to go inside. And I, I think that phrase is so significant. There, there's something about the response of the older brother that um, keeps him on the outside versus the inside. Um, he refuses to enter. And in the culture of Jesus, for a, a family member to refuse to enter a party thrown by a parent, it would have been seen as a shaming insult to his own father. And so what he's doing by refusing to enter in is he is drawing a battle line. It's not just that his feelings are hurt. And y'all, this is really important. This is where we have to know a little bit about the culture of Jesus' day and frankly, even the culture of Palestine, the East today. Christianity is, after all, an Eastern religion. It's not a religion conceived in America. Um, it's Eastern. And so what the son is doing in this moment by refusing to enter a party, a public space, a, a gathered space, is he is quarreling with his father in front of other people. It's a public battle line being drawn. And it's really important for us to know that the um, this gives us a look at what's going on inside the older brother's heart. He is not just hurt. He's offended. He's angry. He feels insulted. And so he insults his father. And we begin to piece together um, through comparison and contrast as we look at the story Jesus tells that the older son is a kind of duty-bound son. He seems to have attempted to earn his standing by putting his head down and doing his job. There's something severe about his demeanor. He's prone to keeping score. Where the older brother, younger brother rather, is reckless, he is doing his part, and there's a kind of severity to his achievement. Um, he doesn't know how much he belongs. Uh, there's a hard edge to him. Um, some of you maybe have encountered people like this. Maybe there are parts of your own character that are somewhat like this, where there's a hard edge to you, uh, so, so, some severity, uh, a kind of grim following of the rules, keeping score, living through a sense of comparison. Uh, our world conditions us uh, towards scarcity and comparison. If the younger brother was sort of reckless and frivolous and naive and foolish, uh, there's a different type of personality, and some of us fit more naturally into this category. We're more calculating, severe. Uh, we play the game to get ahead. Um, there's a sense of comparison, a kind of negative comparison game that falls uh, sometimes out of our mouths and certainly lives inside our heads and our hearts. This older brother um, is a person who feels that he's earned his place. And I've often found in my life that Severe people, those of us who struggle with severity, with uh, competition and, and comparison, we tend to struggle to truly know that we're loved and secure. 
And in that sense, both the younger brother and the older one are are the same. They struggle with the same thing. Neither of them seem to really know their place. Neither of them seem to know until the younger brother experiences it. And maybe the older does as well here at the end. We, we see that they lack an awareness of just how secure they are in God's love. One through foolishness demonstrates his rebellion and the other um, works almost like a servant, like a slave. He actually uses that phrase. He feels like he's justified to be angry or offended, even to insult his own father because he's been keeping score. And I think this just gives us an opportunity to think, you know, um, probably all of us have, are, are prone toward one or the other, either toward uh, reckless naivete or toward a kind of severe scorekeeping um, competition. And so Jesus tells a story um, to demonstrate that in some way, both boys are have been estranged. The younger ends up in a foreign land estranged from his father through his own reckless choices, but the older, he doesn't experience a physical estrangement. He experiences a kind of estrangement, estrangement of the heart. Uh, his heart is cut off from his dad, even though he's proximate to him. So why would Jesus tell this part of the story? Why wouldn't he just end with, the, the party, you know, the younger brother being welcomed home. It appears as if Jesus is speaking to supposed insiders and he's challenging on one level their response to those who come away, um, who come from way outside the church or way outside fellowship with God and receive reconciliation. People who would say, that's not fair. Now, we probably all know people who have struggled this way, people who uh, just don't want to, you know, mixed company with people who are, you know, bad folks. But I think there's another reason why Jesus would tell this story. If in the parable of the, the, the different types of soil, we're all meant to find the different types of soil in our own hearts, I wonder if we might find the older brother also in our story. There are so many places where I identify with the younger brother, but there are also places where I can see this older brother in my own heart and my own response, places where I feel entitled. Um, frankly, places where I feel a sense of scarcity that leads me to act as if I'm entitled. See, I think that's probably what was going on in this part of the story. The, the older brother didn't know really his place, and so he was demanding space because he felt insecure. He felt broken. He felt maybe a little bit defensive because he didn't know um, how to be connected to his dad. But here's the thing that I love. In the same way that the father ran to the failed younger brother, the father also goes outside to the failed older brother. See, the thing we're meant to see in this parable that Jesus tells, and remember, Jesus is telling us a story to tell us about the human condition. He's also telling us a story to show us the heart of God. And in both instances, with both boys who fail their dad, the dad moves toward the boy. So God doesn't just through this story as a father move toward the one who's squandered, as the older brother says, his life and living on prostitutes. He also leaves the party. And remember, the older brother had drawn a battle line by staying outside. He had, he had refrained from entering in. Well, the dad actually exits the party in order to be near. So he pursues his legalistic, defensive, severe, competitive older son. And that's such a telling thing, y'all. God pursues us whether we're struggling in one way or another way. So no one's excluded from the pursuit of the Father in this story. 
The father doesn't go out to punish his son for rude and arrogant behavior. And I I just want to say the hearers at the time of Jesus, Jews listening to this story would have expected, why? yeah, the dad went out there. He went out there and um, assaulted his own son. That's not what happens in this story. He would have had every right to scold and punish his son for arrogant behavior, but he doesn't. He comes out to plead with him. The attitude of the father toward the older son is is very similar to his attitude toward the younger son. But the reaction of the older son is very different. Here's what he says in verse 29. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, which you know as well as I do that's not true, but he's using a hyperbolic statement to defend his own goodness. He says, Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, so notice he doesn't claim him. He doesn't say when this brother of mine When this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. So despite the fact that the older boy shows no respect and honor for his dad, when the father responds, he shows great affection for his angry son. And y'all listen to this. When you act a fool, when I act a fool because I'm scared or I am um, live my life based on comparison, I've been trying to keep myself in check or to get ahead and then I realize it's not working, the, the heart of God toward me isn't severe. It's grace. He, The dad refers to his son as beloved, even in the space of the son's foolishness and anger. So maybe today you're in a place where you feel uh, a, a sort of justifiable or a self-justifiable sense of anger. You think this just isn't fair. God looks at you when you're in those places of comparison, those severe places, and he looks at you with the same love that he looks toward those who have been reckless and frivolous and foolish. So what does the dad do? In the moment of tenderness, Notice that the father doesn't apologize for the party going on inside. He doesn't say, you know what, buddy? Like, you have been really good, and this kid is really miserable, and I wish I had not thrown this party, but, you know, let's just make a good, uh, put a good face on, make a good day of it. That's not what he does. He actually invites the older brother to come in. He invites him to understand something new, that life is not about comparison and competition, that life is not about achievement and good works, that life is not about winning or getting ahead. He says, come in and let's understand grace together. And here's what I love about this story. We do not know how it ends. The story actually ends with a father pleading to his son outside, asking for the son to come in. And I think Jesus puts that ellipsis at the end of the story because he wants us to ask the question, did the father succeed in convincing him? Or did the older son remain outside to the end? There's no answer. See, I think Jesus is wanting you to answer the question. Me. I don't think he wants to solve this for us because each and every one of us have to tend to the younger and the older brother inside of us. Here's where I want to leave it. It's interesting to consider these two brothers. Both break relationship with their father. One is up front in his rebellion. The other hides it in his heart until he can't hide it any longer. One son is lost and he knows it. The other son is struggling to know that he's lost. But the father continues to invite him toward reconciliation. 
The ending that the father desired was for the older son to come inside the house and enter into joy and celebration. He wanted them to be connected again. He wanted two sons, not one. So I would just ask you, as you consider the younger brother and the older one, where do you fall in this story? Where do you find yourself? Where do you see yourself? And my hope is that you'll see a little bit of yourself in each brother. And that in both instances, we'll see that God, our Father, is looking for us. He is moving toward us. He's pursuing us. Father, I pray for my friends, and I I ask you for grace. I pray that you would have mercy on us, Lord, and that you would show us, God, how much you care about us. Father, I thank you that you are the kind of God that moves toward us even when we fail, whether it's through foolishness and presumption and recklessness, or whether it's through severity and competition, rule following. God, help us to know that you love us regardless of our particular sin struggle. We thank you, God, for the fact that your family, our family, our Christian family, is full of both older and younger brothers. And God, if we can see it today, I think we'll probably find parts of our own hearts individually that identify a little bit with one brother and then another. God bless us and take care of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week, family.